Hey, everybody, we have Grant Cardone here today. Grant, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, thanks for doing this. Yeah, man, it's awesome to meet you. For those of you that don't know Grant, he is the number one sales trainer in the world. He's a best-selling author. He's an entrepreneur, real estate syndicator, real estate entrepreneur, and the founder of the number one growth conference for entrepreneurs and business owners, the 10X Growth Con. So how's it going in Florida, man? It's going good. You know, we're just doing the best we can to get through these very uncertain times. Uh, you and I were talking before this. It's just people are people are scared. You can hear it. You know, you can hear it. You can see it. Uh, bad news, like new bad news every day. I think Disney laid off 100,000 people today. Yeah. Federal Reserve saying this thing could go to crazy, crazy numbers on unemployment. So I'm just trying to do what I can to, to help people kind of navigate through this. Yeah, you've been doing a great job and we all appreciate it. You know, I get, um, so I work with people all over the country that syndicate real estate and, uh, you know, your message is resonating with a lot of people right now. It's, uh, it's tough times. It's, you know, nobody knows which direction to go. One minute, everything's good and we're going back to work. Next minute, cases are up. So it's, it's just kind of all over the map right now. Yeah. Well, let's talk about real estate syndication. You know, there's a lot of junk out there right now. And I think what's going on is a lot of people don't understand what real estate syndication is, which is pooling capital from investors to do bigger deals, right? And that's kind of what I help people do. So in terms of real estate syndication and what you do specifically, um, just for people who don't understand, I mean, there's thousands of people all across the country that do exactly what you do. They syndicate real estate deals. They use social media. They use events. Uh, to educate people, to educate investors that want to invest with them or teach them how to do their own deals. Uh, so it's a very common thing. And uh, what you do is just phenomenal. And the, and the way you've done it's really cool. So it'd be neat to kind of hear your progression in terms of your first deal, you know, and then, you know, how you went along and how you built and scaled this thing so quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I really don't, I, mean, I know I am by definition a syndicator, but the way we do it is a little different. Uh, one, a lot of guys that you mentioned are educators and syndicators, less than one half of 1% of our revenue comes from education. Uh, if you look at other people that are doing this, they're, they're probably 50, 50 or more. And, you know, our focus is on deals. Yeah. And secondly, I buy the deal in the past, at least up until this moment right now, our current fund, I buy the deal with my money before I offer it to the public. Right. So you're just recapping it. Yeah, we recapitalize it, but we're funding and, and they're, they're massive. These are big, big deals. These yeah. are as big a deals as you can buy uh, before you get to billion dollar real estate portfolios. These are hundred million, $140 million, $90 million deals. Probably average size transaction is above $80 million. Yeah. So and you're getting there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll get there. You'll get there. And, and look, it's easier to manage deals, especially in times like this. You want to be in the bigger deals. Yeah. Uh, because because the, the number of units that I've stated uh, many, many times, the number of units is what gives you the ability to go through a cycle like we're in right now with uncertainty, collections off, occupancy off. Um, and there'll continue to be uncertainty in that space. Uh, we we ended up April at 94% occupied, 95.1% collected. Uh, those numbers are almost in line with four months ago. Yeah. 
And, you know, that's what I'm hearing all across the country with the people that, that I'm talking to and in communication with is, you know, most of them are at, you know, 89 to 95%. Uh, very few people had trouble in April. You know, nobody knows what May is going to bring, right? Because we've seen a lot of unemployment since April. But it's surprising how well the market's doing now. Retail, hospitality, office, different story. But multifamily across the board, especially the type of assets you buy, uh, are extremely resilient in economic downturns. I went through 2008 and 2009, and multifamily performed well, especially Class A, B+, plus, right? Core, core plus. Uh, did extremely well in those, in those times. But, you know, so when I was talking about education, what I mean is more of the thought leadership platform. So there's a lot of guys that have a show, have a podcast. You know, they're using that for thought leadership to kind of, you know, educate people and, you know, help them understand what they're doing so they can invest with them or whatever. Yeah. But um, the other thing, too, is a lot of these guys don't do their own deals. So there's the difference between you and what a lot of people do that I don't think people understand is it's you. It's Grant Cardone on the contract. It's Grant Cardone signing for the bank. It's not Grant and five other people. So a lot of these guys out there that are doing these deals, you know, they've got four, five, six. Some of them have 10 partners that are all, you know, trying to do one deal at 20, 50 million bucks. Yeah. You know, so that's a big differentiator as well. Yeah, because what happens, particularly in times like this, when you have 10 partners on a deal, it's like having 10 guys on a plane. You know, five of them are fine. It's the other five that want to sell. And, and when, you, when you get five partners that are, that are in a financial situation where they need money or they're like, I want distributions this month. I don't want to use it for carpets and uh, improvements. There, there isn't 10 guys on my deal. There's one decision maker on my deals. I buy all these deals based on where, whether or not I want my family's money in this deal, meaning my money. Um, and so going back to your first question, which was how does it start? It started with a single family house. I learned very quickly that does not work. At least and that was 30 years ago, right? 30 years ago, I bought a single family home, rented it to two girls. Uh, it was fine until they moved out. When they moved out, I'm like, I'll never do this again. You know, how fast can I learn? And what I learned there was, and by the way, this might be good for some people. I, I was running two other businesses. I didn't want to manage real estate. I wanted to invest in real estate and collect passive income. And the moment they moved out, uh, I was responsible for the property, mowing the lawn, uh, pesticide treatments, filling the place back up. I just, it, and there wasn't enough revenue involved for me to be interested in doing that because it was costing my other two jobs attention. Right. For 200 bucks a month in cash flow, and now I was worried about the debt as well. So the upside wasn't there. The real estate wasn't the problem. It was the, the grade of real estate, dependency upon one tenant or a couple of tenants in this case. Uh, and so I sold that actually did pretty good. I, I had four or 5,000 bucks invested, came out with 5,000 bucks plus. Um, uh, and, and then my next deal wouldn't be for three years because I went and spent three years studying real estate, the right way to do it. And my next deal would be, I think, 48 units uh, that I bought three years later that I made, I don't know, four or five million dollars in that one deal. So how'd you get the down payment for that? Yeah. So my other two companies, and I've been doing this for 30 years now. I have multiple companies that generate cash and I take the surplus cash from those, those businesses. I reinvest what I can for advertising, marketing, branding, expenses, expansion. And then if there's anything left over on top of that, uh, I take that money. I do not stay around with a lot of cash. I take that money and I, re I, I invest it in real estate. My, my, my first real 
acquisition was uh, took three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, on a yeah, one point awesome. nine million dollar deal. But that three point that three hundred fifty thousand dollars five four years four and a half years later was worth uh, I think three point six million dollars cash. Yeah. So plus I had the cash flow from the property back then we were buying stuff for ten and twelve percent cash flow returns. Um, I mean, the mistake I made right then was I didn't know I should have refinanced that property and I should mm -hmm. still own it today. Yeah. So you sold that one and then you, and then you took that. What was your next deal after that? Well, I bought, uh, I did that deal 30 days. I bought that deal. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, three years after the single family, I bought the first deal 30 days after that, I bought a second deal and 60 days later, I bought a 90 unit deal. So I went like 48 units, 38 units and 92 units. And then I stopped and I should have kept pressing, man. I just, um, cause I had the cash. I was accumulating cash from my other business. I would take the cash and I would throw it in these deals. Now this is a kind of a weird thing that a lot of people never ask about. It's like that money, if I had reinvested that money in my business, I could have probably earned a hundred percent on my money. But the difference is you, the real estate allowed me to invest in, in a third business that provided monthly cash flow. Like those deals would still be cash flowing, what, 30 years? Like I would have paid for those deals four or five times already. Yeah, all those buildings are still there throwing off cash right now today. They're occupied right now at 95%. I know who owns those. I've, I've been following those deals for 30 <laughs> years. So they're still in good locations, probably better locations today than they were then. They survived through 2008. They will survive 2020. And, um, you know, I mean, that being said, I needed the money to do bigger deals. So I right. sold those deals to buy bigger deals. Yeah. My next, my next batch of deals would be about three years later, about 2,200 units in uh, Tucson, Arizona, stayed there right before the crash, got out and moved uh, back into small, uh, uh, a small, I, I took the 2,200 units and, and collapsed it into um, um, three properties in San Diego, Weather the 2008 storm sold them in 2011 and then since 2011 2012 i've just been really hammered down now we're at 7,700 units um trying to get to 16,000. I, I i'll probably double my portfolio now uh -huh. because of uh, the COVID 19. yeah so somebody asked me to ask you that so thank you for sharing that journey because a lot of people look at you and they're like man there's just no way i'm ever going to get there right i've got this 100 unit portfolio or i've got this you know, thousand unit portfolio and you're sitting at 7,000. So, you know, I mean, it's that simple, right? You do the deal, you sell it, you take your cash flow, you do a bigger deal, you do a bigger deal and you just keep going. And there's no difference in a $50 million deal and a $5 million deal, right? Well, there, there is some differences though. They're easier to do. Right, right. And, but yeah, they're, they're easier to do. Like, this is the mistake I made in the beginning. I could have literally, I should have done that first batch of deals and shifted. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 yeah, I don't know how to stress this to people enough. I know, I know it's hard to think about. I used to do 300 unit, uh, 300 uh, person events in our conferences. Do, doing an event with 3,000 people is easier than 300. And buy, buying 500 units at one time is easier than buying 50. You get better debt, better leverage, uh, fewer people looking at the deals. The, the, the bigger the deal, the fewer people you have to compete with. And now the issue, the only issue now is the cash down. Yeah. 
So if you can get over the cash down and start asking yourself good questions, like what could I do to come up with the cash down? See, people are buying real estate based on how much money they can have or how much money they can raise. And rather than doing that, it, that takes your attention off the best stuff. The question should be, how can I buy the best stuff? And then do what you need to do to buy the best stuff. Uh, so, so I figured out how to quit taking shortcuts years ago and said, hey, how could I buy the best assets? Why is that important? Because I want to buy something I know I can sell. And if I'm buying something that Blackstone is bidding on today, Blackstone becomes a buyer for me when I'm ready to exit. Right. If I'm buying something that a dentist is competing with me on, then I'm probably going to have to sell to a dentist. And that's not who you'd want to sell to today. Uh, Blackstone has enough money to do a deal right now. Uh, one month into this COVID thing, they have enough money to buy a deal right now for cash. The dentist isn't going to buy a deal right now. A dentist will not get a loan. Nobody's going to get a loan right now. Blackstone yeah. won't need one. So, so the point, you know, that what I'm t telling people is what I've learned. I've learned so much over the, over the, over the years, like I should have bought more. Uh, I should have bought bigger units. I should have bought nicer units. I should have bought lower cap rates, not higher cap rates. Like I'm just sharing the mistakes. I yeah. should have, I should have not uh, uh, sold anything, really, and um, and I should have raised money sooner because I'm helping a lot of people. I'm doing for other people what other people will never ever do. Yeah, like through the, through this through the last three weeks, we've contacted seven thousand seven hundred and twenty-one tenants. Uh, my investors don't make those calls. I've yeah. contacted every lender. I'm on a call with a lender every week. Hey, let me tell you where we're at. Let me tell you what's going on. These are our offers. We're in good shape. We won't let anything go. The other thing is, if you're really committed to real estate, you do not want to let stuff go in these cycles. When it gets scary, you want to be in communication with the lender. You, want to, you don't want to ask for forbearance right now. You want to tell the lender, I'll get through this. Yeah. And... Um, because on the other side of 2020, I'll promise you, you should interview me a year from now, like today, as of today, yeah. March, whatever, or April, whatever it is. The apartments I'm buying today that everybody's like, oh, Grant Cardone's going to go bankrupt and he's going to lose everything and he's over leveraged. You know, we're 60%. Our lowest leverage is like 55% in some deals, 60% yeah. across maybe a third of them and no more than 75% on anything. Yeah, that's what I've seen. I've looked at your deals. I've seen you've got low leverage. You know, the whole thing about um, suspending, uh, you know, distributions, what a lot of people don't realize, that's actually smart, prudent, and it's the number one thing you should do because you don't know what's going to happen next month. So yeah, your job, first and foremost. About what, what I did because you've been following. Yeah, exactly. I've been following you and I've seen the criticism out there and what people don't understand. A lot of people just don't understand the business. And what they don't understand is what you just said. Your job, first and foremost, is to protect the capital that your investors and you invest in those deals, preservation of capital. So you got to be defensive, right? So you got you to make sure that you're shoring up your reserves just in case something happens. I've seen your deals. I know that you can probably break even at what, 30% vacancy and you're still breaking even. Doesn't mean you can pay distributions, but you got reserves, the property will carry itself. But if for some reason, all of a sudden you hit a 50% vacancy, well, you're going to need those reserves. 
So the last thing you want to do is not be able to carry that property. So pretty much everybody I know across the country with larger you know, assets are doing the same thing. They've yeah. all suspended distributions. They're shoring up their reserves and they're telling their investors, look, this is to protect you. We'll get back to those distributions once we get to the other side of this, but we just don't know when that's going to be. Yeah, we were in April, we were, we, we distributed about $2 million worth of cash a month to our, to our investors. Uh, in April, when the shit hit the fan in March, um, I think late March, may, no, maybe the first week in April, I, I, I reached out to our investors and said, I'm suspending distributions. Yeah. This was before I even knew if I needed to. And, um, you know, somebody picked that up on the internet and said, Grant Cardone's not paying his investors. We're, we're within two, we collected within $200,000 of the same number for our distributions. We're just holding it in a different account in case we drop lower than break even. Right. Uh, I looked at one of our properties that we bought in February of this year, just taking the stuff we just closed on because then people are like, oh, he just bought some of this stuff. We would have to lose 38% of our renters to break even. And then what people don't know about my personal financial situation is I could take the entire $1.1 billion, $1 .1 billion worth of debt I have and fund it for the next probably two and a half years. Right. <clears throat> and that's the other side of the equation that people don't understand that don't really understand this business. Number one, you're protecting the asset. It's a defensive play. It's prudent. Number two, you've got to have a balance sheet personally to guarantee these loans. Now, a lot of people know, and, and I've heard the term non-recourse, but they understand that still requires a key principal, a loan sponsor, a loan guarantor. So you got to put your balance sheet up against these loans. Yeah, of course, you know, and, and, and what you don't want to be, it, what you don't want to do with a syndicator is tip, the longer the term with the syndicator, the better off you're going to be. Uh, Wall Street has made the short term three to five year thing, you know, like, like they're doing a favor to the public. They only do that so they can sell the deal and get their fees. They, they, they want their fees. I don't want my fees. I want to protect the asset because I know in 2030, these assets will be worth a great deal more money, particularly at the rate that we're printing money. Uh, remember, in inflation, the asset value goes up. If I have permanent debt, the debt does not inflate. Okay, I'm buying yesterday's dollars waiting on inflated dollars to pull up the value of that asset and the rents. Because in inflation, a $1,200 rent, if we go into massive inflation, that rent's going to go up. Now, I'm not wishing that on anything. That's not how you make money in real estate. But there is some natural inflation built in to a good real estate model. Uh, when you stabilize that debt, like on all our deal, deals, we have 10 years of debt. Uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they're, they're as much a partner in my real estate as um, an investor is. Yeah. So and that's the other I, side I, about the big deals, right? Is that, that, you know, that's what they're in business to do. They got to get that money out on the street. They have a mandate and, yeah. uh, you know, they, they want to do those big deals because it's easier for them. And they like the long term too. Like they right. love, they love, I'm a preferred borrower with Fannie and Freddie. They love the idea that I don't, because other, other guys do have three to five year funds and I'm not bashing on them. I'm just saying when you can go to your lender and say, I don't have to sell for 10 years. They like that. Right. Because they don't want to get stuck in a cycle. Yeah. So keep in mind, I was doing some of these deals in February. I had three deals, uh, 140, uh, a 90, and I don't know, about 
$300 million worth of deal sitting on the books mm -hmm. in March to close. Okay. They, 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 those were 10 year term deals. Now we put them on hold because everybody's freaked out right now. But the point is they like that because they're like, okay, if, if, if shit hits the fan, this is pre COVID Fanny's like, if something went wrong, we know you can weather the storm. It just so happened something went wrong a week later, <laughs> uh, which, which nobody would predict. Nobody would predict this, but um, I also know that right now, real estate, the kind of real estate you're talking about, big apartment complexes, affordable rents, good locations. This storm that we're in right now is going to make these assets more desirable, not less. And I think everybody's mixing all the bad news in the same blender with shopping centers, retail, industrial, homes, single family homes. Like everybody, you mentioned forbearance. They think forbearance is on every piece of real estate in the world. And it's not, that's not even true. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting times. So on that note, uh, moving forward, so you want to double your portfolio over the next year. So how are you going to do that? I know you'll probably pick those three deals back up again that you were working on, but what's the plan moving forward to, you know, to strategically do that with foreseeably the demand rising? Number one, take care of the properties you have. You don't take care of the properties you have, you're not going to go get other stuff. Uh, shore up your cash reserves. Three, be in touch with your lenders. Four, you need to be in the market looking at deals. So if you're not looking at deals today, because there's nothing going to happen. I, 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 see these, I see these guys, they're like, this is what I was waiting for. I'm like, bro, you're not going to buy anything. If you didn't buy anything in the last two quarters, you're not going to buy anything today because nobody's going to talk to you. You have no history. Management is going to become more important than money. Like, I, I, I know that I'm going to get deals offered to me with, with, and money will not be the issue. They're not going to be like, we need a bunch of money for this deal. They're going to come to me because I'm in the market talking to them right now. And this has happened. You've seen it happen before. Like stuff is going to go back to the banks and the banks, the banks don't put it on the market. They call, they make phone calls. Right. Hey Grant, can you take this 10,000 units? I could do all 7,000 units in one purchase in this next. Yeah. And let's, let's, let's dig into that. So when you say they're going to call you and say, Grant, take these units. I mean, literally folks, that's what's going to happen. They're going to call Grant and say, Hey, will you assume this portfolio and you won't have to put a nickel into it because they know you're an operator. They know you're strong. You'll just, they're going to give them to you. Yeah. But I mean, with them giving it to me, it comes a lot of responsibility, a lot of risk, a lot of work, a lot of due diligence. It's not, it's not always a gift. Right. Sometimes, right. Sometimes when people want to give you something, you know, it's not, not always, uh, but, but first of all, I'm going to get the phone call. You have right. to be in the game. Now I'm not talking about single family. I'm not talking about a duplex or a fourplex. You can find that in your neighborhood, probably find somebody in trouble, but you're still six to nine months away for any of that to happen either. Yeah. Because you got to remember we got three to six months of forbearance on a duplex or a single family home. So that guy's not going to be, he's going to stretch out the cycle. All this federal stimulus money is going to stretch this cycle out. So any of the bottom feeders, you won't be able to actually come play because nothing's going to hit the, the bottom until the forbearance wears off. 
then they're going to probably start making their bank claims and or going into a foreclosure situation. It's probably another three to six months. Uh, like, you know, you can't, we've only been in this cycle three or four weeks. Yeah. You can't go bankrupt in three weeks. Like people are like, bankruptcy takes like six months in a good situation. In this situation, it will probably take a year just yeah. because there's so much noise and so much glutted uh, panic in the market with, with the banks. The banks right now, you, can't, you couldn't even file bankruptcy for something right now because the banks are busy handling the, uh, the, the $2 trillion worth of stimulus money to the small business owners. Right. They can't even service that. So some bank's going to probably call me or our life insurance company or Fannie or Freddie at GSA and say, hey, Grant, we have a portfolio, four or 5,000 units. I've already got a phone call on a five, a five, uh, 1500 unit deal yeah. in Houston. Hey, if you would be willing, this was the call. If you would be willing to look at this property, bid on it, buy it, close on it without doing walkthroughs, we would entertain. That's a new one for the books right there. Yeah. Because this big company cannot afford to have me go in every coronavirus possible unit and or I bring coronavirus. These deals are going to happen at institutional levels this cycle. Uh, and, and the play is going to come, uh, Greg, from probably a fund that had 2020 as their target to get out of Orlando. Right. Or they wanted to exit Atlanta. They had been there six years. This is their year. And trust me, they're going to sell this year. Right. And if they don't get their money, I'm talking about trillion dollar companies, not billion dollar companies. Yeah. Yeah. The guys that have so, 50 to 100,000 units. Yeah. 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 The 140,000. Yeah. I was on the phone call with a guy the other day, 180,000 units. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to peel 10,000 here, 20,000 there. And they do that all the time because, you know, that's how they make their money. I got 7,000 units I have to get rid of this year. Okay. Right. Yeah, they're, they're in three states. Are you interested? He's going to take those, take his losses on them or break even, or he didn't quite get his coverage. He's going to bury it in the rest of his portfolio. He's got 180,000. Yeah. And by so, the way, there's what, you, three you guys understand? that he's calling right now? And you're probably one of the three. Yeah. See, people should be listening to you rather than Flip or Fred. Because <laughs> you, you understand the game at that level. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see all these YouTube videos. Some guy says, uh, uh, Ted the Flipper is saying that you're going you're gonna to go, uh, you're, you're upside down. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, you'd have to know what the property's worth, what I paid for it, how much debt I have on it, how much cash burn that I have, what my occupancy on, is on it, what my, my debt is on it, when my, when my debt matures, and what is the cost of my debt? Like, how, yeah. how can you know that without knowing those seven things? Right. And I can look at that in about 30 seconds at one of your deals and know you can, you can sustain a 30% hit and you're going to be fine. Just yeah. looking at the one page, you know, cut sheet on your deal. Yeah. Yeah. But, so you know, it's interesting. You know, the YouTube, other thing. There's a lot of YouTubers out there. Just they're, they're, they're trying to get YouTube views rather than buy real estate. You and I are trying to buy real estate because we know long-term. Yeah. It'll probably take care of our families better than YouTube views. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they get what, 20 bucks for every thousand, you know, views they get selling ads. So hey, they should be writing you a royalty check, right? Because you're blowing them up. But <laughs> it's kind of funny. But you know, people just don't understand. And that's why I wanted to do this today, because they just don't understand. Like I heard one guy make a comment that you take 65 or 35% of somebody's profits. And, and it's like, you know, come on, 
this is a cash flow split, right? So if the property makes a profit above, you know, all of the expenses, you're, you're it's a 65-35 split of that cash flow. That's after they get their 6% preferred return. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great split. I mean, the deals that I've done in the past, people be lucky to get 50%. Uh, you know, which, I never which, by, the way, which, by, by the way, after the 6% really results in if you if you total the six. Mm-hmm. So we pay for your viewer, we pay a 6% preferred on our existing portfolio. So if you put in a million dollars, you would be paid $5,000 a month, 60,000 a year. If we own the property for uh, 10 years, you would have been paid 600,000 of your million dollars back as long as I made the cash flow. Right. Now, before I get anything, I got to make sure you got your 600 grand over those 10 years. Right. Above that number, when I go to split the money out, I got to pay your million dollars back. As you know, I'm talking to the viewer. Uh, I've already paid them 600. I give them their million dollars back. And let's say there's another million left over because of the way the profit split. Out of that other million, I would get 350. You would get 650. That means your million dollars would have turned into a million you got back plus the 600 in cash flow plus the 650. So you'd be at 2.2 million, 50,000 on a million dollar investment and didn't have any management headaches, didn't sign on the loan, didn't find the deal, didn't call the banks, talk to the banks, manage the tenants, blah, blah, blah. So um, I would make $350,000 off that transaction only because I held the asset, didn't lose anything and managed it to a profit. Yeah, also, let me just say for, for everybody to understand this, you're like, oh man, you made a lot. I could have made the entire amount if I had just not given that person access to this transaction. And I bought the deal without their money. So clearly I had the cash to buy the deal uh, because they came in after the deal was bought, funded, and managed. People, people have been buying deals for me where there's already cash flow. Uh, going forward o- over the next two years, I'm probably going to change that. No preferred. And you'll have to come in blind, meaning you will not know the asset I'm buying beforehand. It'll be an opportunity fund. Yeah, straight pref. And if you, you know, talking about Blackstone, so that's what they do, right? So they have investors just like you have investors that put, you know, 10, 100, 10 million in their fund. All they get is a preferred return. Some of them are institutional funds that are investing with those guys. And that's why they're buyers, by the way, because they've got these life insurance funds and endowments, you know, pension funds, uh, they're like, look, we're, you know, we're tired of having to hunt for another deal. Just keep our money in, you know? So, you know, that's why Blackstone is so hungry right now. And, you know, they'll buy a three cap because they just, they want to keep the money rolling. And all those investors, that's all they get is a preferred return. They're not getting equity in the deal at all or depreciation. Yeah. I I wish people understood what you just said, because I, I don't think they do. They don't understand how Blackstone could buy a three cap, why they would buy a three cap. Yeah, it's just you, right? My whole plan, Greg, just so you know, is to take our portfolio, continue to expand it and make one sale. So you're a value-add portfolio play. So what people do normally in this business, they buy one asset, they increase the income, which increases the value and they sell it. So what Grant's doing is you're doing a portfolio value-add. You're accumulating trophy assets that the big dogs are going to want. So when you get that 10, you know, that 20, 30, 50,000 unit level, now you've got a $10 billion fund that you can sell. Uh, it's a, it's a value add portfolio. And I'm solving a problem. Right. How do you make money? You solve problems. 
So the big guys need something to buy and they can't buy you right now. You need to, yeah. you need to 10 X what you're doing so they can buy you. Yeah. They're not interested in a little billion dollar deal. They're interested in a $10 billion deal because how do they grow? They're a trillion dollar company. They don't want to grow a billion dollars at a time. They want to grow 30 billion, hundred billion at a time. Right. And I think they're a $650 billion real estate fund right now. So, you know, somebody over there has got to be Steve Schwartz got to be like, I want that to be a $1 trillion fund. Yeah. So how does he do that? He's going to have to make 35, $10 billion transactions, or he'd have to make 350, $1 billion transactions. And it's probably going to be easier for him to buy 35 guys like me than to buy $350 billion guys like me. Yeah. And what he's going to look for is assets. And the reason he's got to buy those is because he's got all state, state form, uh, prudential, met life investing billions, not $10,000, billions and billions. And they're looking for a two and a half, three percent return, three and a half. But mostly what the, the, the met lives are looking for is not to lose money. Right. And then cash flow long term. Yeah. If they can get a point on, you know, $100 billion, they're doing okay. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they're like, they're crushing it. And, and that's, that's what they're trying to protect. And they're trying to protect their fees. Yeah. Because they get a fee for managing trillion dollars. Right. Different game, different level, different value. Different strategy. game, but everybody here, everybody that's watching you could, could benefit. Because, because for maybe you can't, maybe you're not going to be a $10 billion fund. But look, a guy like me is looking for three or four assets in Atlanta that I can buy from, from, from John that's watching this, see, you would, you would feed my beast. I would feed their beast. So like, we're all connected in this deal. Um, like, I don't want people for being foreclosed on. I don't want people going bankrupt. Yeah, it would benefit me. That's not what I want because for every benefit, uh, you know, there's a disadvantage, which means if I got both of my, my neighbors go under, it pulls down the value of my properties and my rent. I don't want, even though I'm not in shopping centers, I don't want the shopping center to go dark. Like, like people are wishing for the wrong things right now. You guys don't wish for people to fail. Wish for people to succeed because it pulls the value of your stuff up. When the whole neighborhood goes black, meaning, meaning out of business, the lights aren't on. The shopping center, the barber shop, not, this doesn't help anybody. And, and so I would, rather, I would rather everybody stay in business. I don't like all the building going on. I think the one thing that COVID is going to be good for us is it's going to stop all this speculation in the building of apartments. It's going to be very destructive to single family homes. Well, what do you think about that? Yeah, that'll be interesting. You know, most housing markets are still hanging in there. Uh, you know, so that's an interesting contemplation in, in terms of where that's going to go. Right now, they're still pretty strong. Inventory uh, levels are down. The builders can't keep up with demand. So I think we're okay there for a while. And, uh, you know, not everybody rents forever. So there's a lot of people, it goes both ways. You get seniors that are retiring into apartments. You have younger people that are coming out to have a family with the yard and the fence, right? So it's kind of an interesting cycle. I think there's a delicate balance there. And I think what happens in a lot of areas that a lot of people got to be careful, if you've got new construction of apartments, that's fine. But just watch the attrition because, you know, the, the, the class B's are going to become C's, the C's will become D's and the new stuff takes over. So it's kind of a, you know, an attrition kind of thing. Same thing in the retail and office. We're going to see a lot of those get repurposed into different types of 
you know, maybe they get turned into apartments, maybe they yeah. get turned into assisted living, which that trend started happening anyways. And I'm a developer by trade, by the way. That's the business industry I grew up in. So I've been a merchant developer my whole career. You got so more guts than I do. Yeah, I like it, man. I just like a challenge and I like the risk and, and all that. But uh, look, I know you only had a little bit of time. I don't want to hold you up here. Um, but I appreciate you, you know, taking time out and doing this today. Is there, uh, you know, what I see from Grant Cardone, there's a lot of stuff out there. I see a guy who pulled himself out of drug addiction, who educated himself, who got a job, took a job you didn't like, became the best at it, went out, taught other people how to do it, used that cash flow, built a business around it to invest in other assets. Here you are today. And if Grant Cardone can do it, anybody can do it, right? You know, I mean, there's no difference between you and me. I did this. I did. I cut my hair in the quarantine. I can't cut my hair. Yeah. But I do know 30 years that I've been studying real estate. I have figured out something that never lets me and my family down is never let their investors down. I got sisters, brothers, nephews and nieces uh, invested in our real estate. I'm just I'm so confident that this asset class has delivered to me for 30 years. Um, even when my other businesses failed in 2008, my, I had two businesses that were failing. The apartments kept paying me. And it, it was painful for real estate. That was the worst real estate crash we've ever had in this country. My apartments came out before my two other businesses recovered. The apartments were cash flowing and we were raising rents literally 14 months after the collapse in 2008, we were raising rents already. So it was like the mistake I made again, I didn't own enough real estate then because it, it is a necessary vital. Where's people staying today? People are staying in their homes and in their apartments. Um, and I've already seen it through this cycle, through all this bad news about forbearance and tenants don't have to pay. We had 95.1% collections last month. So this is going to be a great place. If you're willing to study, do the work, um, walk properties, learn about properties. If you're willing to do that, I promise you, you and your family will be uh, well served over the next decade in apartments. And it's been proven over and over and over. And you don't have to be a smart guy to do this. Well, that's awesome. Well, Grant, I appreciate you taking time out today. I know you're busy and you're doing a lot of good stuff out there. So uh, I will take you up on that. April 20, 2021, we will revisit Let's and we should see 20,000 units. Is that where we're going to be? Uh, hope so. Maybe, maybe more. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for what you're doing. Yeah, man. Take care. Hey, we'll get you a copy of this. All right. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was awesome. Yeah, that was great, man. I tell you what, that's a, nobody's doing the show you're doing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate you're doing all this bullshit, all these bullshit shows. Like, you're doing a show. It's not institutional because they're never going to do anything. Um, this is a good show. You, you, you yeah, I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help guys and, you know, put the truth out there. I don't advertise. I'm not looking for clicks. I just want people to see, look, this is how business works, man. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if this is a – people love this show. So if I can – I'm going to think, try to think of some other names of guys you can interview. Yeah. Because um, you're going to really benefit the audience. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I appreciate okay, I'll it. Send, I'll send you a copy of this, all right? All right. Thanks, Grant. Take care.